0: Welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So the next sequel that we're going to be covering is one that I've been wanting to cover since we started this podcast because it's in the lore of sequels that people talk about when it comes to the good sequels, the bad sequels. It's more the latter, but it doesn't mean it's not a lot of fun. That's Christopher Lee. It has the amazing, amazing, one of my faves, uh, Sybil Danning. I would love to chat with her one of these days. L.A. Bounty is such an Underrated, uh, like cop flick, she plays like a cobra like Stallone like character in the movie, and it's pretty awesome. And uh, Nick will be back, uh, Nick, our bad sequel expert, he'll be back next week. And uh, for the Howling 2, I chatted with uh, special effects royalty Rob Berman. Wow, talk about when I go into these interviews. I do as much research as I can find online. What I want to do is when I talk to people, I want to really hear stories and things for the first time uh, because I found early on when I started this, you know, when I knew too much, the stories weren't hitting me uh, the way they should, because I just read them and uh, I remembered every detail of the story that I heard. Maybe they were on another podcast or another show. So yeah, it was so cool talking to Rob right in the beginning when I asked that question always, "Hey, why did you start your journey out to Hollywood?" And he's like, "Well, I'm probably one of the very people that could say this. And you'll hear it right in the beginning, you know, his family dates back to in in special effects, the wolfman. You know, his grandfather was a sculptor, he wanted to get into Hollywood. He got a gig sculpting in the cane and then his uh, his grandfather, you know, his great uncle uh, was working, uh, you know, it's so cool. I'll let him tell the story because I think it's so neat that his father was working on like Planet of the Apes and so many amazing movies. And then you have Rob, you know, he finally uh, he knew everything about his dad's shop. His dad used to call in school and say, hey, where's uh, where's this part? And he'd be like, oh, dad, it's in this drawer. And then he finally gave in. And, uh, you know, he started you know in the biz and he said his first time that he remembers like fully being on a set like sort of on his own was uh, the thing so what a what a great way to get that started and yeah he, he had so many credits it's so cool when you talk to people in special effects you think oh these are the credits they worked on but no 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 he worked on so many like his studio worked on ghostbusters but he didn't get a credit Because there's only so many credits, and he said they didn't want to use another uh, spool of film, which is great. But his credits include things like Batman Returns, Goonies, Teen Wolf, Howling 2. Man, so many cool flicks. We talk about this really neat movie that he worked on uh, with Bruce Dern, which uh, I highly recommend. Uh, Listen to that part, really cool. Talk about his time working on Canon Films talking about working with his dad, you know, after, you know, he was always working with his dad, but his dad directed it and wrote a movie called meet the Hollowheads. It was neat. When I talked to Lee Ehrenberg, who will be one of our next interviews, uh, he was in that movie and he had some cool memories, uh, of working with Rob's dad, but, uh, yeah. So do me a favor. If you're new here, please like subscribe, follow us on all social media at sequels only. If you use YouTube, go on there, search our name, boom subscribe hit the little bell so you get notified when you know any uh video stuff comes out like this will be out in unedited video form i mean it might be a few dog barks that i couldn't get out but who cares it's it's raw but it's fun it's cool to be able to see the person but if you're in your car you can't be watching so just keep listening we appreciate it and then also i'll put the link to rob and his wife jennifer which their love story of how they met is pretty neat uh, obviously, it's a Hollywood story. She's a customer. He's in special effects and they have a company called Rubberware, um, which is really, really neat. So he talks about that and I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can be able to check it out. And without further ado, here is Rob Berman. So how did you get even st- like where'd you grow up? I always like the other people's beginnings, of course. So are you a California kid like, where or are where from? are you from? I'm in Jersey. Oh, you're in Jersey. Okay. Well,
1: I was born here essentially to you in Los Angeles, but Glendale, which is a little suburb okay. in Los Angeles. And, you know, I, I, I my whole life pretty much in and around the San Fernando Valley. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, I was, here's really good images of what my, my experience was. Did you see, did you watch the wonder years, the TV show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Years? Oh, yeah. That was my early childhood. Did you watch really? that 70s show? Yep. That was my high school years. <laughs> that was your high school years? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> After that, I got in the industry and my whole life was different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how that happen? Since you grew up, Glendale's not too far. There's a bunch of people that mm-hmm. I've talked to that are like from that area. So what, uh, was it a movie that you saw or like, how did you get into working with polyurethane? I, I'm one of the very few people that
1: can actually say this story this way. Actually, now there are a few more, but my whole life I was the only one. Um, in 1941, my grandfather, who was an artist, basically sculptor did monuments and things. in in the Midwest, um, uh-huh. he, uh, uh, He moved to Hollywood thinking he might be able to get into, you know, film and do some stuff. So he got a job making a few things here and there. But then he got a job making uh, a cane, a silver-headed wolf's head cane uh, for 1941's The Wolfman. He met Jack Pierce, who did The Wolfman makeup. And Jack said, well, you mold and sculpt and paint and do all those things ahead of time. I build up right on the actor is if, if there was a way you could do stuff and not tell anybody, I could keep you busy. So my grandfather started making all the stuff for like the, the universal horror sequels, you know, whenever you saw the mummy in a bad mask, that was probably my (laughs) uncle. He did like house of Frankenstein, the Wolfman frozen in ice and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but and, he couldn't
0: tell anybody that it was him? He's work he was just in the shadows. Oh, the other guy was his yeah, name was on everything?
1: Pretty much Jack Jack was very secretive and all of that stuff and he would he would do all this stuff, but you know, he kept my grandfather busy who my grandfather was not a limelight yeah. person or anything. He just wanted to do the work and, and make money and feed his family. That's all he cared about. Yeah. You know. But when my father was a child, he um would have to help my grandfather in his workshop during summer vacation and things like that. And so my dad learned about making molds and casting parts and doing all that stuff. And he would assist my grandfather on different things. Um, so he was assisting him on a job where my grandfather was working for, uh, the Don Post mask company, making a full size, okay. like yeah. half size King Kong and, uh, for a museum <laughs> in Niagara Falls. So uh, uh, he was working on that, and the guys in the shop there said, hey, they're looking for, you know, an apprenticeship program thing for people to sign up at, uh, at 20th Century Fox. You ought to go check it out. I think today's like the last day to do it. So my dad just took off on the job, went down to 20th Century Fox, and out of 100 people, he and three other guys got chosen. Well, my dad got chosen because he had experience making molds and working in a in a lab. And back then, if you were in the makeup lab at Fox, that's what you did. You did make noses and things like that for all your character stuff and whatnot. So uh, he was there for about six months. This is in like 1964, 65, something like that.
0: Planet uh, of the Apes is that around Planet of the Apes time, or a little before them? Before.
1: Um okay. in fact in fact my dad was sweeping the floors in in the, the the lab as an apprentice and uh Ben Nye comes in and says, Oh, we've got a job to do it. It's gonna be the most amazing thing we've ever done, and it's you know, nobody's ever done anything like this before. We need all the best guys. Who do we, who can we get? And you know, who did uh the list of Adrian Messenger? Who did that? And all oh, those are the Westmores. Well, let's call the Westmores. And my dad was like, um, <laughs> John Chambers did all the lab work on that, Uh, you know. They're like, well, do you know how to get a hold of him? Well, yeah, he's my neighbor. I can get you his number and all that. So so they called John Chambers and uh, brought John Chambers in. And he went in and met with him. And he comes out of the office with a script and looks at my dad and he goes, we're going to win a fucking Oscar, boy. (laughs) And uh, it was Planet of the Apes. And so John and my dad started the whole project on a, like, four-foot by eight-foot table in the back of the lab at Fox. And
0: that was the whole thing. That's really cool.
1: So by the time I was, I was four at the time. So by the time I was out of high school, or late in high school, I noticed all my friends were getting jobs and making money. And I was like, "Oh, I want to make money. I want to, I want to, I don't really want a job, but I want to make money, you know? So, uh, um, I tried being a janitor for a while, working nights and, that really sucked. It was terrible. And I tried being a dishwasher at an ice cream parlor because all my friends worked at the ice cream parlors. So I'll go work with that, And that really sucked, you know. So, uh, uh, so I came back and I told my dad, I said, you know, your shop is a mess. What if I cleaned your shop at night and then you could come into a shop the next day, a nice clean day, and we'll come in like every other day? So that's what we did we uh um we would clean his shop at night and uh and he would uh come in the next day and then I'd be in school you know I was in eleventh twelfth grade I was senior in high school and uh all of a sudden I would get a note uh they would somebody would come in with a note to the teacher and they'd take it out. um can Rob Berman go to the office, please?" And so I'd have to go to the office. What do you want? What did I do? And well, it's a phone call for you. And it would be my dad. He'd be saying, oh, where would you put this? Where would you put that? You know, I'd be like, well, it's over here. It's over there. I never saw it. I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> whatever. And then he'd say, well, come in after school now. And I'm like, well, you know, I was going to go I, my friends after. No, I need you after school. So I started coming in after school. And then when I graduated high school, I just kind of stayed. And then I was full time. And then I was kind of the foreman of the shop because I was the only one that knew where everything was and kept everything running. So I did all of that stuff for a couple of years. And then um, just a little bit after I graduated, the year after I graduated, he was going to lay me off. We'd done happy birthday to me, my bloody Valentine, uh, the beast within people. And then he lays me off. I'm like, Oh, okay, that's fine. You know, I'd been making like 500 bucks a week. I was, I was rich, you know? And, uh, so, um, so then he got a phone call from a friend of his that said he needed to know, he needed somebody to run foam latex on a show. And I'm like, well, or my dad's like, well, take my son. He's been, He's been running the foam for me. And that was the first thing I learned to do that I was kind of hireable to do, you know. So I learned to do it with foam latex and whatnot. So I went over in the interview, me and my best friend, who were kind of partners at the time. And um we interviewed for the job. Oh, yeah, okay. Have you ever run big amounts of foam? Oh, we've run, we run some large amounts, you know, some of the big, <laughs> big mixers, you know. They were like... You know, almost 500 grams of latex. So we mixed a lot of latex. And Okay, great. And uh, So uh, that's fine. Here, come in there. And then we walked into a room with three 20-quart Hobart mixers. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, this is where you're going to work, and this and that, and the other thing like that. And that turned out to be uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. After wow. that job, I kind of just decided, well, I guess, I, I guess this is what I'm going to do for my career. Might as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? and, uh, hey
0: Rob, I have to ask at that time when you were working were you must've been the only third generation, like yeah. special, or really anything. Well, I'm sure there were some people, other people, but in special effects, that must've been just you.
1: Yeah. I can't think of any other right off the top of my head. I know that, uh, I know that Michael Stein was second generation cause we both went to school together and then he went on to be a makeup artist as well. Um, um, but yeah, very, very, very few. There's only a, you know, the ones that I meet that are third generation now are all like 20 something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. So John Carpenter, the thing. So that's, that's amazing. So that's a good way to, obviously you had the experience like with your dad and, you know, running the, especially being that young of age and being a foreman, that's pretty important job to have on a set. So, and then you land that. So the thing that's, how long was that? Like, what was, uh, was that, were you always on uh, set or were you always in the lab working? Yeah, I, I spent
1: 90% of my career in the lab. Very yeah. little on set work and everything, um, you know. Back in those early days, almost never on set. You know, uh, cat people. We did go to set a couple of times just to assist cuz as we made some deliveries, and my dad would say, "Here, stay here and help, help on this." And you know, so I did a couple <laughs> of those things. But uh, um, the thing, the only time we were on set wasn't really on set. They set up a a little film stage in the back room to do part of the, uh, uh the, uh, uh Norris chest bursting effect, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, other than that, they, they always shot it universal on the lot or, you know, we didn't really do any of the effects in Alaska. That was all pretty much, you know, some yeah. stuff got sent up there, but most of it was done at universal.
0: Wow. And then from there, so was your dad, when did your dad do this till? Uh, my dad just retired a few years ago. He, uh, oh
1: my gosh, did, really? Um,
0: That's awesome.
1: What's the latest of the shows? Grey's Anatomy, I guess. When Nip Tuck was oh, okay. over, he said he was going to retire. He's like, okay, I'm done with that. And then they came with like Grey's Anatomy and. And another show, Chicago Hope. No, I I think that was before it. But he did a lot of TV, a lot of medical shows, a lot of all that stuff. Any of the stuff that you see on TV that really looks real, it was probably his.
0: (laughs) Wow, man.
1: And then how long did your grandpa work till? Did he work for a long time too? He was mostly a. Prop maker and scenic artist. He oh, did A okay. lot of stuff for the the prop rental companies and things. He would make stuff for them, skulls and all kind of stuff like that. But uh, but he died back in like nineteen seventy two, seventy four, something like that. So um, yeah, he uh, um, he smoked like a chimney and just did not take care. it. Smoked like a chimney and drank like a fish, and you know you don't live long <laughs> yeah. in those circumstances.
0: <laughs> no no but uh wow so the thing and then you took off from there so you said you had a partner did you guys start any studios together or anything because no, i Dale saw in some and of the I credits pretty much took most the of Berman the jobs studios. that we got
1: together up until ghostbusters after ghost at the end of ghostbusters they were talking about um breaking the crew down to less people and stuff and i was like you know i'm burnout. out i'll go so I left and 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 he stayed. And then when he stayed they went on to do like Fright Night and some stuff like that, but I went on to at yeah. uh, my dad's uh, or after that I went on to uh first things I did with my for, for my uncle we worked on Clan of the Cave Bear and the Howling 2. But then I went nice. over to my dad's and we did Teen Wolf and the Goonies
0: back to back. Teen Wolf, would you guys work on the suit? You guys put together the suit? We made- we made the team. Mold. Yeah. The whole transformation nice. and you
1: know, everything, the whole makeup and all of that stuff. That was good to be. I got to be on nice. set for that a little bit. Jeff Dawn applied for us. And, um, but I went in and helped do some things like nail growing effects and stuff like that.
0: No, I met Chubbs. The actor who plays Chubbs, Mark Holton. I interviewed some? him and then he just happened to be at oh Chubbs. Yeah. The big basketball yeah. player.
1: Oh, all right, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, but I met him over the summer randomly at some signing in in New Jersey. Yeah. It's
1: amazing the people you bump into in random places. I ran into (laughs) a friend of mine walking down the street in Beijing. I mean, how random is that? You know? What? Look at each other like what the hell are you doing here? You know, just
0: (laughs) (laughs) random. Oh, man. So before we talk about some of the other credits, you mentioned Ghostbusters. So yeah. I interviewed Steve Neal, uh-huh. who I'm sure you've worked with sure, a bunch. Director. And the reason I always think of him is because he's a huge Planet of the Apes fan. Sure. So he still, as a hobby, he casts, like, somehow he got, like, an original print, I think, from the movie. So he, like, does his own thing. Is that
1: from you? They're mine. Yeah, I I have original that molds from the film. And I pulled copies out of them because they were in such bad shape and I remastered them, made new molds. And now I'm having him finish off copies and we're offering them for (laughs) collectors.
0: That's amazing. It's such a small world. That's so cool. Yeah. The next one he's going to do for me is Close Encounters. Oh, that's cool. No, I think it's just so, it's such a tight knit community. It yeah. seems obviously there's a bunch of movies that were made in the eighties, but it seems like so many people worked to, with each other. Like I, I talked to this guy Tim Lawrence, That's Eddie it. Yang, like all all these different people, and it seemed like everybody knows each other, no matter what. Like Jeffrey in, Farley, in the eighties,
1: everybody did. What's weird now is I yeah. don't know anybody now. I go out there, oh, yeah, not amongst the industry, and there's you know hundreds of people. I'm like, yeah, I don't recognize one of you.
0: <laughs> but Do you think it's people are based in California? Aiming, you know, <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's because people are? Is everybody based in California working at special effects, or with it, with the way the the industry is, is? Are people spread out doing the work, or there is a
1: huge amount of people everywhere when it when it first started out and everything? There were, you know. Uh, Uh, a couple of dozen of us in in LA that started doing it really, you know, professionally. And then, and then it got to be more. And then there were, um, then they would fly us all over the country and all over the world to do effects in all of these places. And while we were there, we'd pick up assistants, bring in people, hey, here, let me show you how to do this. I need help doing this, blah, blah, blah. Well, and those guys got a chance to work on these things and learn how to do the work. And then after 10 years, Now they got 10 years experience in doing the work. So now you don't need to fly me to Lithuania to do the job. You got a guy in the country next door who already knows how to do it, you know? So yeah, they don't fly us around as much anymore because there are a lot more of us all over. And then with you talk about uh, things like cosplay and things like that. I mean, it's, it's really worldwide at this point, which is why my rubberware company does so well because Everybody wants stuff all over the world now, not just, you know, a nose for this production or, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Do you do a lot of custom work? I got to check out your website, but is it mostly custom or is it things you have that you've done I, in the past? I do custom
1: that... work, but we, we started a company uh, almost 30 years, almost 30 years ago. Um, maybe, oh wow. With your wife, right? Is that what yeah, I read? Yeah. yeah rubberware. Cool. And we do. We started doing that because I was getting calls for like, we need a pig nose tomorrow. Do you have one? I'm like, well, no, I don't. But you know, um, and so uh, so it started coming down to, uh, well, let's make pieces to have in stock ahead of time, and then we thought, well, if we're going to do that, let's let's offer them through the stores rather than having the people come to us, so they can go to the well-stocked makeup store and pick up noses and cuts and wounds and foreheads and, you know, anything alien, this piece and that piece and all that. And so we started doing that in 96 and now we've got uh, a little over 200 pieces and sell them all over the world. And, you know, cosplayers love them because they, you know, this one guy takes our pieces and does the greatest captain hook I've ever seen. He's so really? cool looking, you know. Just and, oh, that's awesome. and that's just a cosplay costume that he does, and you know, so it's 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 great.
0: And no, I, I don't have to take every job that comes my way either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did your wife work in the industry? Is that how you met her? Or she she's a costume designer, and she uh, oh that's neat. You
1: know, it's why we called our initial company, which is sort of our umbrella company, Sticks and Stones, because we knew everybody was going to talk about us, you know, because we both had, you know, reputational careers before we met. And then when we got married, we knew it was like, well, this is perfect. So she does all our costumes and whatnot. And, and I do all the prosthetic and lab work and all. And, um, you know, it, it allows us the versatility to just about anything we want to do.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's really awesome. Would you did you guys meet on a show? Um
1: <laughs> she was working in a costume shop when we first she first <laughs> came to Hollywood. And uh um because she uh she went to college in Hawaii and learned uh you know Japanese, Hawaiian theater and all of that. But she uh, um she was working in the costume shop and a friend of mine went into the costume shop and asked her out. <laughs> So their first date was he brought her over to my house for a game playing party and well, you know it was one of those <laughs> things where I'm like what are you doing with him my but we didn't start dating till three years after that so it was but that oh, was okay cool. when when we started dating it's because I saw her at the Renaissance fair and pretty much stalked or walked around the whole place and <laughs> Would run up and lean against the tree. Hi. Oh,
0: hey. You're and they go up and
1: lean up against the building. Hey, how you doing? And just followed her all day long until she finally said, eh, "When are you going to ask me out?" And <laughs> you know, yeah. in, all my, in all of my my uh, virtuous and suave debonair dating ability, I said, "I'm going to Florida tomorrow." So, but I went on, I had to go on location for two weeks and I called her when I got back and we started dating. Our first date was the Magic Castle and we just had oh, a cool. lovely time and, you know, we probably went out three times in the first week we started dating and then five times and then all every night and she was working on Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. I was working on Batman Returns and uh, oh, we wow. left. We just talked. We uh, we just communicated and, you know, spent just probably two months just talking and having, just enjoying each other's company and,
0: you know, can't help but fall in That's love. That's awesome. No, you can't. It's usually in the most inopportune times. Like I met my wife. We went to high school together. She was a year older. We ran into an uh, in Atlantic City at oh. like two o'clock in the morning. We bumped into each other. And we were like, I was like, Oh my God. And then I know I, from you, that moment, like she, yeah, she doesn't believe me. But from that moment, I'm like, man, I'm going to marry this person. And then we awesome. we're married. We've been the other 12 years, two kids, you know, like, but no, I was going to ask, cause I've talked to some people when they met spouses on shows. I think mm-hmm. it's always great because sometimes it's like the worst movie, but it's right. like what spawned from it was right. a beautiful thing in a long lasting relationship. But that's pretty cool to have somebody that works in kind of the same sector because people are going to buy like the prosthetic and what do you need with the prosthetic you need an outfit right so that's cool you guys cover all the bases right yeah i i i call working in film in some ways
1: uh uh little mini ideal relationships where you get on a show you meet some people like hey you're pretty cool hey we're having fun that's great and all that Toward the end of the show, you've been through some stress, and you're like, this guy's really getting on my nerves. Huh? But then the show's over. Ta-da, it's done. You go your own ways, all that stuff. A couple of years later, you meet up another show. Hey, hi, how you doing? Yeah, we had a great time on that show. That was really great. And after about halfway through the show, you're like, oh, yeah, now I remember why I didn't really like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, But then the show's yeah. over. So you go on again. And so you have these little mini wonderful relationships without <laughs> right.
0: a whole lot of trauma. <laughs> yeah. It's a little summer camp. I helped the actor, Larry Hankin, write a book. Mm. And he talked about like, when you're with these people on location for X amount of months, you like become really good friends. Cause they're the only people around because it's not like right. you had FaceTime. You just had a, you just had a phone really? or you wrote a letter. So yeah. it was really like, Hey, John Aston, you and me are in. Uh, you know, she's having a baby with John. You so Larry like became good friends, and he was like really sad when it was over. But then he said he ran into him randomly like years later, and it was like they rekindled this thing that they only had for like two, three months. But it's a long time when you're with, when you see each other every day.
1: It's as if none of that time left. It was all, you
0: know, you just pick up the highlights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. So it's so cool, that like all the things you've worked on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear?
1: Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: But I think the first, the, the reason I reached out to you, because I think you're in the Canon movie group, and I saw you share something from, because you worked on a few, I don't know if the first one was 52 Pickup. Was that, was that your first uh, one of the Canon first, film?
1: Uh, 11 films in eight months. Something
0: like that. That sounds like a
1: canon. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a canon story right there. And Tough Guys Don't Dance. We did a handful of fairy tales, The Frog Prince. uh, uh, Yeah. A Little Red Riding Hood. Um, What else did I do? Uh, Beauty and the Beast, John Savage. Um, We did Gore, a movie called Gore, G-O-R. Um, I think that was a book before. I don't know. That that was the biggest thing I ever sculpted. Was on Gore. That was a, a, a two thousand really? pounds of clay insert section of a dragon's shoulders, so that the guy could sit on it, and they could do insert shots of the dragon flying. You know, so it was huge. Wow. We did an oh, we did a, a, a going bananas with Dom Deluise and and uh, made oh a, wow. A, a, chimpanzee suited for a talking chimp was the <laughs> first and only
0: chimp to date <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah know, well,
0: uh, because i always just hear stories of the documentaries like they obviously you know cut corners a lot when it came to you know when they got things anymore. done that's why i'm wearing my uh my bronson uh shirt for a little homage to your uh canon days but uh now, I always think it's so interesting. I always think it's so cool. Whenever I interview people, I look at IMDb's, obviously everything you've worked on, like when you worked with your father, right. or when you're working on, even like Ghostbusters isn't on here, because they don't have, for some reason, people I don't get all their I, credits. Especially yeah. behind the scenes. Well,
1: because I, I don't have credit on Ghostbusters.
0: No, I know. That's what I mean. i apartment head, and I don't even have my
1: credit on the movie, because, you know, <laughs> there were too many credits submitted, and they didn't want to put an extra spool of film on the end, so they cut like 36 of our credits so <laughs> that's terrible you know rid- ridiculous uh you know most most of those films batman returns i don't think i have credit on you know
0: oh uh, no that's on here you know you're definitely. i, I saw that, that on here okay good yeah that's you funny. got that one
1: yeah and i and the thing but, uh, <laughs> was important to me i'm really glad i got that one so
0: yeah. And the fly was you know, a good what one. I was saying was it's that was a oh the flies. The flies are great one, yeah. but it's so cool because people work on so many different movies. But I always pick a few to watch uh, that I've never seen before. And one that really honestly blew me away. And I'm surprised maybe because it never got a, a re-release. Like a lot of those movies do like Vinegar Syndrome or some of those companies. But World Gone Wild oh, that yeah. is an
1: insane <laughs> movie. What a that twisted opening scene. Because they just made me department head, makeup and hair and everything. I was in charge of all of it, but... You know, I couldn't do a straight makeup to save my life. So when I walked in there, you know, I took my two assistants. They're like, well, we've got these two people that we like to use, you know, usually and everything. And you don't have to use them if you don't want to. But if you'd like, we could we could bring them in. I'm like, yeah, bring them in. Bring them in. Bring in those two people. And so they they had their makeup artists that they liked and all of that stuff, this woman and this older man. And and that was great. So all I had to do was worry about the prosthetics and you know, yeah. what weird stuff. I mean, that hubcap gag is really freaking <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know, it was fun. Five weeks in there. Yeah. I enjoyed doing the work. Great actors. Went club hopping with Adam Ant in Tucson. I mean, how random is that?
0: You know, that's very random. <laughs> Just Bruce Stern. I don't know if the years almost make sense. I think off the top of my head, the burbs. Maybe the burbs 88, but I watch the verbs a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, me and my is one of our favorite movies and he just carries himself. He does that in a lot of movies the way Bruce Dern is, but in this movie, when he first shows up in that opening scene, I'm like, this is, this is him from next across the street. It's, it's on-site right.
1: Bruce Dern performance. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so in good. Fact,
1: I don't really think he was performing. I think he was just being Bruce <laughs> in that movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. And another one, which I bet was a lot of fun, uh, just because of the special effects that were involved. And I've never heard of it. And I think the same thing as World Gone Wild is uh Meet the Hollowheads. Oh, my dad's yeah. film that he directed. That your dad directed that movie? Huh? That's amazing. Was that his first? Uh or you he do sold- that often? Well,
1: yeah, first. Yeah, his first and pretty much only. He did the Making Apes oh, recently with uh With another guy who's director. But uh, but yeah, Meet the Hollow Heads was originally titled Life on the Edge. And he wrote and directed it.
0: Holy crap.
1: The only thing I don't like about that movie was that the producers got freaked out midway through that it was maybe too weird. So they kept trying to get him to pull back on it a little bit. And it could have been so much more fun with the things that we did, like the, the sun's instrument, the chicken looking thing and all that stuff. We had great ideas of all kinds of things that were going to happen. And, you know, produ- producers, money, people don't, don't sometimes understand the creativity of, of an artist. And so, you know, they panicked and still kind of fun. You know, Matt Shack. Yeah. The special effect, Juliet. Kid, do you know who that kid is? Matt Shackman. Uh, No, I I had the IMDB. Is he Ten of us? Which was a sitcom, but he's a director now. Really, he directs things like oh, I don't know, little shows. Oh my god, WandaVision, Game of Thrones. (laughs) Wow. Great kid. He used to hang out in my shop after he after he finished filming the movie because he was a a total effects fan. So he he'd hang out at my house, which I have my shop in a garage and you know, he'd come over there from time
0: to time. Good kid. But the people your dad was able to get was like unbelievable like uh Joshua Miller at Josh. that time he that was like he was, just, he was every... just fresh off of things like Near Dark. Oh yeah, he was in everything. Every 80s movie teen witch I, like every weird one, too. Like he's in the one that the the kids, uh, they they wish for their dad to hear their dad died, and they wish for him to come back, and he comes back in a robot. It was like an 80, 80s weird part. movie, but he's in that. He's in like everything. And John Glover. John Glover. John Glover. This point, that was, yeah. Man. My
1: favorite John Glover role has got to be Scrooged. Oh, yeah. He plays the TV yeah. executive. That's a great
0: role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's So cool. Or, Your dad got direct that. I was, where I blew him up. <laughs> 52 pickup. Ah, uh, the the Immortal 52 pickup. That's like an interesting canon movie because that was supposed to be one of their early, early movies. Right. And then it got shelved. Right. Because I interviewed Sam Furstenberg, who did a lot of the ninja movies mm-hmm. uh for canon, and he was he was in Israel. And he was going to work on 52 Pickup, but then they ended up... Something happened, and then it it didn't get made for 10 years later. Right. So many cool things. And then... uh, So what would you say over your career? Is there like a a, a moment that was like the... cool? I think what you do is so cool. So is there something that you've done that you think is like the coolest? Like when you see it like on film that you were like, Holy shit. Oh, I made if you, that. Want, if you or, want to talk
1: the work in itself, I think the stuff we did for ghostbusters is amazing. And it's a film yeah. that I will still sit and watch every single time I see it on. Um, yeah. The fly is great. Amazing work. You know, deserved the Academy award that year. I thought, um, you know, a lot, a lot of that stuff. There's, you know, every show has a certain amount of things that that I like about it, but, um, but, you know, some of our best work uh, would be like the Power Rangers movie, the costumes for that, um, you know, uh, uh, having my wife in, involved to be able to do them just really took us, I think our work to another level. Um, but my, uh, I'll, I'll say my, my name-dropping story, that's the proudest okay. moment of my career pretty much because it is such a big name-dropping moment. Uh, my brother brought me in. My brother was working on – he did the uh, the Tom Cruise makeup in, uh, in Tropic Thunder um, where he plays the studio executive. So your brother's He's in a, the uh...
0: industry too?
1: Oh, yeah. And my brother's got the Oscar for 2009's uh, Star Trek.
0: Oh, my God. That's amazing.
1: Uh, Anyway, he hired me to work with him on uh, uh, Mission Impossible 3. And uh, I was coming in to babysit the, you know, they do the transformation mask where they pull it on and, you know, the Mission Impossible gag. You know, so they've got this box which got some masks in it of different stages of Philip Seymour Hoffman and stuff like that. And so I'm supposed to watch all of those things for him while he's off making up Philip so he can do the neck piece. So Philip goes like this, you know, and then they go to a mask where Tom pulls off the mask and it's Tom, ah, you know, <laughs> So um, they're doing the scene where they're making the mask and going to take it off and put it on Tom. Well, my brother's off working, so um, so all of a sudden I hear them calling for my brother, and so I walk in. I'm like, "What? What can I do?" I, I, I don't. Uh, he's he's off making up Philip, and I, I I look around the room, and it's Tom Cruise, J.J. Abrams, Ving Rhames, the head of Paramount, Michelle Burke, who's the department head, the first A D, and my brother's assistant. And they're all looking at me, and the and and JJ's like, "Can we make these eyebrows stay on the mask?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I I I can do that. Uh, do we have extra eyebrows? Yeah, no problem. Okay, great. Give me these. Okay, I looked at my brother's assistant and said, "Go mix up some silicone or go get some silicone and mix it on the way back." Like, okay, great. And I looked at the first AD and I said, "I need five minutes." And the first AD goes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we'll find something to do in the five minutes. And so, da-da-da, right. Hugo comes back. I put the eyebrows on. I stick them down, the silicone setting. Okay, great, it's about done. I go up to the first AD. I go, okay, I'm done now. You, you guys can go. And he looks at his watch. He goes, that's three minutes. I go, sorry, <laughs> you know, and walk away. <laughs> and, and I was so proud of myself because that morning I found out that production was costing on that show. a minute. What? And I had asked for five of them. And then when I delivered in three, I'm like, I just saved you $130,000. And they were like, yay, Rob. (laughs) So that's kind of my big name dropping moment and kind of proudest moment of my career because of the people that were
0: involved, you know. Yeah, And, and the, the pressure
1: And the only person to save it at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. How about for, uh, so, so Batman returns you worked on, did you well, work on DeVito or
1: I, they, they brought me in originally because they were so far behind and I made all of the most of the molds for the penguin and Danny DeVito costumes made his full body master. I made the thing for his hips and his belly and all these things. I engineered the belly so that it was jiggly and all of that kind of stuff for his full on costume. Um, and then they moved me to when his molds were finished, I moved to finishing and I started doing patching and seaming and fixing of reject parts that for, for Batman and, and, the uh and catwoman pieces and things like that. Wow. I worked on cowls for Catwoman fixing stitches and you know fixing suits and all of little details. Uh sorry. If a piece had a,
0: okay
1: Hey stop it. <laughs> if a piece had a hole in it or something I'd fix it or a seam down the back or something.
0: Ah Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> like my like my dogs, they can sense like a dog like three houses down walking and they just go nuts. And I look outside and I'm like, there's nobody here. And then like a minute later, a dog's walking past. Right. Well, they're
1: getting close to feeding time, so I guess they're getting a little irritable. <laughs>
0: getting a
1: little like, come on, you guys, oh, man. Like 45 minutes till dinner, so stop it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> now that's pretty, that's so cool. Uh Man one one I have to ask about because I think it's an infa- infamous movie just because of everything that was involved, but uh, Super Mario Brothers.
1: Mm. Yeah, because that one weeks I talked the to work, the for per- 13 seconds for the footage. <laughs> my work, anyway. Really? Yeah. All I did was King the, Look- the killing of King Koopa. So
0: oh we my did, God, uh, really?
1: Page one on. On on Dennis Hopper with a big smile, stage two on a another actor that had an even bigger smile and all these teeth and kind of lizard skin and all of that. And then uh, two more stages that were animatronic puppets that uh, were up in a big cement thing hanging in the sky. So, And then everything between that is all some of the worst CG you ever saw in your life. But, you know. So my, my stuff is seen literally for
0: 13 seconds. Isn't it crazy? Like when you, when you're working on that, can you guess, well, I guess when you have the script and you know what you're doing, do you have any idea of like, they say, okay, uh, uh, Rob, we need this to be X amount of seconds long or anything like that. No, 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 I never
1: got any of that. We just knew what the sequence was going to look like, you know, and what the heads kind of needed to do. Uh, My friend uh, Bud McGrew uh, did the animatronics inside and I did all the cosmetic skins and the makeup and things like that for the puppets. Um, But the day we arrived on set in in Georgia, Georgia, North Carolina, in North Carolina, um, the directors left. They quit. Wow. You know, so I was directed by... The camera guy, Dean Semler, awesome cinematographer. I mean, no complaints at all. You know, but uh, but he was our director for the whole sequence <laughs> and everything. You know, I was happy. I got paid well for the job, and I got uh, I got three weeks on a SAG contract, so uh, I, I'm good. It was it was great. Yeah, you know the check clears. Oh, you it. know
0: that's that's what matters.
1: Yeah. Well. I learned a long time ago watching my father in the industry that in the end, ultimately, all you really get out of the project is your pictures. There's a movie, but the work in it is not really your work. It's a combination of everybody's work involved. So, you know, but your work, what you do, what you're proud of, all you get is your photographs of it. So... I take good photographs of the things that I do and and try to maintain those but uh, what they do in the film in the film I don't really care. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> so do you keep since you have your own shop? Yeah, I, I know obviously cuz there's new thing that com- new things you're working on and so it's hard to keep a lot of stuff but there are are there some things that you've kept along the way like like working on the thing or you know, scripts, you keep anything like Most that? Most of the
1: stuff that I work on rots out if it's made out of rubber. You know, it doesn't last. Oh, that's true. You know, um, I've got the molds for the things, you know, if I want to cast them, I can, you know, if it's something that yeah. I made myself, whatever. If it's something from an old film, something something else, not really. I used to have some pieces from Ghostbusters, and but, the you know, their foam rotted out and whatnot. So, um I think I have an eye from a miniature terror dog, but you know it's just a little red, oh, yeah it's just a little red ball with a, with a uh, an LED in it so you know big deal yeah <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah the, uh, a, a guy made a special collectible and he sent me a copy of it because it's supposed to be from a mold of the original that I sculpted. But it happens to be the thing that I think is the most ridiculous thing I've ever been asked to sculpt. So uh, it's like, well, sort of bittersweet. It's like, yay, I got this, but, oh, my God, it's that. It was uh, Frank the Rabbit from Donnie Darko.
0: Oh, you worked on that. Wow. I sculpted
1: his face for my friend. That's all I did. And kept going. (laughs) what the hell this is this this is what he wants right okay this thing's ridiculous it looked like bugs bunny's skull on acid you know (laughs) and he loved it he thought it was great and everybody was happy but crazy and then now yeah now i as i'm making displays of the makeups that i do in my classes if I do a really oh, cool, cool. I was going
0: to ask you how your ca- classes. That's pretty cool. Paper.
1: Yeah.
0: How long have you been doing that? Working at Stan Winston? Well, th- I've only, I only
1: did that, those two videos for Stan Winston's, but I've been teaching. Most oh, okay. Career. Um, I've only been, you know, like 2009, I guess I started getting paid to teach. I worked at Joe Blasco's school and uh, started doing some things there. And, developed my own because they didn't have any programs. So I developed my own program and set it all up. And then I started traveling it to different places and now I do it in my lab as well. So, you know, because you're never going to learn in a school or you're going to learn in a school, but you're never going to work in a school. So I teach in my lab, which is a functioning effects lab. And so you really get an idea of what it's like to, to be on a job, you know? especially when there's other jobs going on around you while you're learning, you know? Um, Yeah. But then I develop these characters, you know, anything I like to do and, you know, it's, it's nice not to get up early and and go on set. And it's, it's nice to be able to kind of, uh, you know, spill my information before, you know, the, uh, the, the new generations who, who don't know yet now i can tell i can tell them about the old days too and this is what they used to do then and now that's what we do now or you know then then we did this and now you're doing that and you know so i can really give them some background and history of all of it most of my students don't leave after i've taught them they they kind of hang out yeah you know <laughs> some become assistant sometimes some go out and get jobs and then come back and do their job here because you know, they don't have a spot of their own and you know, I've got space and then I can coach them through their job. And so they, they really enjoy that.
0: That's awesome. No, cause I think I, I don't like CG that much at all. <laughs> so it's when fun, it comes it, to the practice, it does.
1: it does what it does. Well, no, I think it does. It's yeah. best
0: when you do both,
1: you know, if you're going to do a, a monster for a movie do it practical it looks best and then mm-hmm. and then use cg to fix everything that didn't work
0: yeah looks no, that makes great, sense it's
1: yeah. a job and it's fabulous you know you can use cg to do the things that are kind of impossible for the practical thing to do you know and then everybody gets a job
0: yeah no no i totally agree that, that, that makes a lot of sense i just hate when a uh, movie is just do cg I sure. just love knowing know, that it's a Pixar what, movie, what went into that practical effect.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, you yeah. know, if it's a Pixar movie, I don't care. CG is great, you know. If you put reality in a CG in a, in a Pixar movie, it looks weird. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> did you ever dabble when that whole change happened? Did no. you ever dabble in CG at all? No, not really.
1: I did. A, I did a weekend, uh, an Adobe shop, Adobe Photoshop weekend. Because they wanted us to do a bunch of uh, universal horror movie monsters and stuff, and I had done a Frankenstein, so they brought me in to do the Frankenstein, and we spent a day taking pictures of all these great characters—the Wolfman and you know the Gill Man and all of that stuff—and then uh, for the next two days we made movie posters with them. Um, so that was cool. fun, but I had never op- I'd never opened a Photoshop program before, and I have not since. Um, I play, with <laughs> clay, you know, I have some of my sculptures scanned I yeah. or I just recently did anyway. So I'm going to experiment with, uh, with, you know, the prints from that and making stuff out of it, but nah, I play with clay.
0: Yeah. Now yeah, that's awesome. Has a lot changed in it? Like from the material end of it, I know you said like when you're teaching the students, like what changed over the years, but it, but is like clay. Is there much changes that was done to clay since when you start it? There, there's
1: dozens of different versions of clay out there, but we're we pretty much stick to you know one or two. I, I use a water based clay. I use a uh, an oil based clay, and you know brands to me are not important or any of that stuff. I don't really care as long as it feels right and does what I need it to do. You know. Um, they've they've adapted some makeup materials things like that uh we don't we use a lot more silicone for prosthetics these days than than foam latex but you know um for a long time people were like oh my god silicone's going to kill foam latex but the truth is they both work for what they both work for best you know and uh, yeah. um and they're all just more tools for the toolbox is all but, you know, it's good yeah. to know why we went from this material to this material to this material over time. Because, um, you know, then then you know, well, God, you know, I can always go back to this one if I need to. And, you know, it's part of why I called my company Sticks and Stones. Not only because everybody would talk about it, but because <laughs> it's really about the basics. It's really about, you know, your your, your foundation, you know, and you know, your sticks and your stones, you know how to build things from scratch. You know, you are, you are much more able to, to create and, and, and provide a product for a company.
0: Yeah. Are you getting, I know you're doing the prosthetics and people, you know, through your website and your company are, are you doing things for movies still? I'm sure people reach out to you, right? Um,
1: when was the last movie I did? It's been a couple of years now, but uh, um, uh, they come to me for little things sometimes. Uh, like I said, my students come to me to do movies all the time, you know, because they're yeah, always doing cool. short films and whatnot and and all that stuff. So, um, you know, there's a little bit. Of, I think the last, uh, maybe the last thing, there's a, a great makeup artist that I, I came up with that we were trained kind of together, but he was older than me and was my dad's worked at my dad's place uh Francisco Car- uh Perez and he um he brings me shows every once in a while we did one a couple of years ago called Mr. Brooks with uh with uh, uh Oh yeah
0: Kevin, Kevin Costner right He does Kevin Costner yeah.
1: movies he does all that stuff so we did a body for Mr. Brooks um and then he brought me a uh half a dozen effects or so for uh Netflix's The Babysitter and that was fun doing. Oh
0: yeah, just oh that's a cool great. Music. I love that movie.
1: It's it, I I love it. It's it's along the lines of what is it? Tucker and Dale. You know, I just yeah those, exactly. It's like wait, you guys. What? Uh, uh, it's just <laughs> fun.
0: You know. Yeah irritating. no. And what's her name? That I'm pulling up her name because I feel so bad because I love her. Uh, Samara yeah, Weaving. She's one of the. I feel like every movie she's in is a hit.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, well well she's smart, she's got great management and and knows how to negotiate things right and all of that stuff. It's just, you know, it's good management. Really really comes down to that. And and if it's not her management, it's because she's smart enough to control her management and and do it the way she wants to. So
0: yeah. Wow. This has been so much fun. I love, I love talking to people behind the scenes. Cause I think, and like, I like even in my head before we started talking, cause I've talked to other people like Steve Neal, like I mentioned, Eddie Yang, right. uh, Tim Lawrence. And it's like everybody, the tight knit community of it. I think that's what the coolest thing out uh, like it's people working together on the other side. It's like, Hey, we're going for this role. I know obviously people interview for to do special effects on 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 movies and shows and stuff sure. but uh I think it's pretty it's it's pretty awesome and I love the the fact that that just your whole family that <laughs> is insane you had no choice you and your brother had no choice of or is it just you and your brother or is there another sibling uh, No, well
1: <laughs> when when my brother and I grew up, my father remarried and they adopted a son who's now thirty uh, something i guess um but he invented a a, a program called Kitbash 3D for CG people to do environments. You know, it's backgrounds and all that stuff, but it's a kit. So you can buy the kit and assemble it the way you want to and customize it any way you want to or all that. And now that gets used in all of these other uh, top game companies and things like that and all that stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he just moved his whole company of like 30 employees up to Portland, Oregon on his dime. So, I think he's doing all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he's doing good. Your dad had like this magic uh touch, the fact that, man, amazing, the fact that he was doing it up until
1: his brother, my uh, uncle Ellis um, you know, I know he did uh, uh the makeup for uh uh uh, Christopher Lloyd in the Back to the Future movies and whatnot, but uh, he he goes back. He he did the makeup on All in the Family, and wow. then he went into mechanical effects and stuff, and he machined all the parts for the Terminator. Oh my God! So, you know my my grandfather and his kids, all his kids used to make dummies and things like that for them. But but then my uncle and my dad started the first effects company off the major studio lots with John Chambers because because John had a contract with the CIA and couldn't do the work under the the eyes of the studios. So they left the studios and started their own place. And then John left, and my dad and my uncle kept their places, and then my dad kept his place and my uncle, and he split up. And, um, you know, my other uncle, my mom's wow. brother was uh had a makeup on things like uh NYPD blue and all those old <laughs> shows
0: and uh Falcon Crest and you know so it was a family affair. Everybody you I, guys could have done your own movie. I, I ever I a
1: lot like the Westmore family, but the Bermans didn't yeah. have a publicist. <laughs>
0: Oh man, this has been awesome, Rob. I know you just mentioned it, but Termi- so Terminator, but you worked on Terminator too, right?
1: I came in and did some foam work for them for a couple of weeks, yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: They were having trouble getting something worked out, and so I came in and worked out their problems and then left to do Superboy.
0: <laughs> Super Superboy, yeah. The Adventures of Superboy. Oh man. Oh, this has been so cool. No, I loved, uh, I'm happy we were able to connect yeah. and, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your story. That's so cool because you don't know much when you look at somebody's IMDB or you see their names in a credit, like, uh, it's really wild. Just your whole family history, right? Like in the industry. And, and the fact that there was people that obviously they were rated like your uncle was related to your mom, but the fact that just everyone, that's insane.
1: We were a very magnetic family, and the people that gravitated toward us uh, benefited by learning how to do it and work in the industry and, and have careers and, and all that stuff, and very open people. My father, very giving and open and wonderful. He'd take all the neighborhood kids near his shop, who he didn't know any of these kids. He'd go take yeah, out yeah. on his boat on the weekends and things like that. So, you know, it was, it was a fun environment great place to be.
0: That's awesome. It's so cool that you are giving back and able to teach the next generations and then, you know, keep that going.
1: I get to be the smartest guy in the
0: room. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Uh, th- those dogs can get fed now. They'll be happy. That's right.
1: You get come <laughs> back around and we'll, uh, we'll do it again.
0: Man, wasn't Rob great? Talk about some amazing stories of working in film, but it's so cool with him because his studio worked on so many movies and he doesn't have the credits. I specifically, you know, loved personally Teen Wolf, the stories about working on that and do the suit for, uh, for man, that's one of my favorite movies. Goonies, Batman Returns, just uh, Rob was a great guy. Thank you, Rob, and uh, be sure to check out his website if you want to buy like something for Halloween or just for fun. If you're in filmmaking or special effects, rubberware, I'll make sure I put the link in the episode notes. So your homework, Howling 2, it's free on Tubi, Pluto, wherever you can find it. Check it out. Don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only, and don't forget to check out our website, sequelsonly.com. Good night. Good night. Good night, guys.